Well, good morning. First things first, that's what we're talking about today. First things first. Um, this is huge. I, I want to welcome everyone that's here, everyone that's on the li- online. Last week, I was with the people online. I wasn't able to be here, um, but I just want to say that I'm so thankful for that opportunity and that we can worship together when we're not able to be here. And it was just a wonderful thing last week. I want to say thank you to all the people that are working behind the scenes, working on cameras and everything. What a great blessing it is um, to be able to worship together if you're on vacation or if you're sick or whatever it is. uh, We have the opportunity to worship together. And we sang today that there is nothing, nothing better than you. Is that your heart today? There's no better place you could be than in the presence of God. There's nothing more important for you to do today than to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so first things first, we're talking about our priorities, and I just want to say a couple important things out of the gate. Number one, our number one priority as the people of God should be to bring glory to God. There's a lot of you that have different jobs and abilities and things. Your number one priority shouldn't be to be good at your job. Your number one priority shouldn't be to build your wealth or your resume. Your number one priority, this, some of you might not like me saying this, your number one priority should not be your family. Your number one priority, what you were created for, is to glorify God. That's literally the reason you were created. All of that other stuff falls under glorifying God. Yes, you should love your family. Yes, you should do the best you can. Yes, you should serve God. But it all starts with glorifying God. And there is nothing better than that. There's no greater calling than to glorify God. And so the second thing I want to say is this. When we put God first, when we put first things first, when we get God in his rightful place in our life, we will live life to the fullest. I'm telling you, you can invest all the time you want in a company, you can invest all the time you want in family or money or any of those things. If God is not first, you are missing out. When we put God first, when we get the first things first, that's when we live life to the fullest. So we're going to be working through Haggai in this series. Rick um, spoke last week, did a great job um, starting us out in Haggai chapter 1. And I want to go back and I want to read something, not because he didn't do a good job, but because it sets us up for where we're going today. I I also want to say this to you. The best things you're going to hear in this sermon as it is every week But I'm telling you, the best thing you're going to hear today is God's Word. Nothing I can say is anywhere near as good as what God has to say to us today. So I want you, can we all just take a second and open our minds and hearts and say, God, speak through your Word today. I think what God has to say to us is incredible. Rick said this last week. You have the, Haggai is two chapters long. How many of you can read two Bible chapters in a week? That's discouraging. Okay, (laughs) seven of you. I'm really proud of you. I'm sure all the online people said yes. Two chapters. I promise you, if you will read through Haggai, you can read Haggai every single day of this week. The whole thing, both chapters. 
I promise you, if you will study God's word this week, if you will read this, God will speak to you. You know how I know this? Because I've been studying it, and literally last night as I was working through this message, as I was reading Haggai chapter 2, God spoke to me about a situation, a relationship in my life, and God said, put me first. I promise you, if you will study God's word, I'm telling you, the best thing you're going to hear is God's word today, and the good news is, you can read that every day. You can get great preaching from God's word every single day this week. Join me in studying Haggai together. But I want to go back to Haggai chapter 1. So our first priority should be to glorify God, And, and what Rick spoke about is that the people of Israel, God's people, had been in captivity. They were taken away from their home in Jerusalem, and they were in Babylonian captivity. But after 70 years, they were released to go back to Jerusalem, and God said, go back and build my temple. And and so the people went back and they started building God's temple. They laid the foundation. But but as you heard last week, they got frustrated. This is how it happened. The enemies of God came to the people of God and they knew that they were getting ready to build back the temple. And so the enemies of God said, hey, why don't we help you out building the temple? And God's people saw right through that, and they said, absolutely not. You're not going to stall this. You're not going to blow this. You're not going to mess it up. We'll do it on our own. It's what we're called to do. And so, so the other people, the enemies of God, then started to raise up legal trouble. And for 16 years, the Israelites had to fight legal battles over building the temple. It was stalled in legal battles. And so where we were last week is that the people of God had laid the foundation, but they got frustrated by the the difficulty they faced, by these legal challenges. And so the people of God just kind of shrunk back and they said, you know what, we're going to take a break and we're going to start investing in ourselves. And they started to spend all of their time and their energy building their own houses. And and last week in Haggai chapter 1, God says, listen, it's time for you to get your priorities straight. It's time for you to stop worrying about your own houses and it's time for you to put me first and start building my house again. And and, in chapter, I mean in verse 9, there's... The reason I want to go back to this is is I think sometimes when we read scripture, when we read a part like verse 9 through 11, we might miss what's really happening. Listen to what it says in verse 9. You expected much, but see it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord? Because of my house, which remains in ruin. While each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and in all the labor of your hands. So why are we reading this? Because I think when you read this casually, it would be easy for you to think, man, That is a really spiteful, vindictive God that just doesn't want his people to have good things. That's not what's happening here. 
So a, a month and a half or so ago, we had company come from Kansas City, um, the Bowmans. They have three boys, four, four boys. So we had seven boys in the house. And they, two of the boys decided that they wanted to start making bracelets and they wanted to go sell those bracelets in the neighborhood. So they bought, you know, these little rubber band materials and they started weaving together and they made these bracelets. They set up a table. They went outside and started selling. And Charlie, you know, I talk about Charlie all the time. Charlie is obsessed with toys and fun things. Charlie goes upstairs and he gets his piggy bank And he gets his bag of money and he comes down and he says, I want to buy everything I can get for this. And I looked at Charlie and I said, Charlie, those are bracelets. If you spend all your money on those bracelets, guess what's going to happen? Tomorrow, I'm going to find those bracelets under your bed. You will never touch them again. You will be disappointed and you will be left with nothing. Don't put your priorities in the bracelets. And you know what I did? I took his money. I didn't take it like to steal it. I said, you're not doing this. And what he wanted, what he thought was important, I said, no, you're missing this, and I'm not going to let you blow it by having the wrong things first. Let me ask you a question. Do you think I'm a cruel parent? I mean, yes, okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Do you think it was wrong of me as a father? Do you think I was spiteful and vindictive that I just didn't want Charlie to have good things? He did get one bracelet. You know who bought it? Me. No, it wasn't spiteful. It wasn't vindictive. It was that I know my son, and I know what's best for him. And while he was focused on these little bracelets, and he was going to throw away all the money he had saved on bracelets, I didn't want him to miss it. That's where God is with the Israelites. They're chasing after crops and houses and all these things. And it would be cruel of God to do what he did to withhold the rain and all of that stuff and to blow stuff away. That would be cruel of God if houses and crops and all of those things were what give us life. But God, in his infinite knowledge, knew that the people's priorities were in the wrong place and that the more time and the more energy they invested into their own houses, the more they would come up empty. And so by his provenient, we don't think of provenient grace as God taking things away, but in his provenient grace, God withheld and the people got their priorities straight. Listen, my, you're not going to like me saying this, but my prayer for some of you today is that if your priorities are in the wrong place, that God would do whatever it takes to get you back to the right place, to where you're putting God first. And so God redirects the people, he gets their priorities straight, and he says, get back to work. So the people, the Israelites, they get back to work on the temple. I want you to hear this. This is from chapter, the end of chapter 1. It says, uh, this is in verse 14. It says, they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty their God on the 24th day of the sixth month. I want you to hear this. This is really important. On the 24th day of the sixth month, they got their priorities right. And they started to build the temple again. Let's go into chapter 2. 
on the 21st day of the seventh month, anyone want to do some math there? Less than a month later, you know where the people are? They're frustrated again. They're struggling. They're ready to quit again. And so on the 21st day of the seventh month, less than a month later, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai and said, Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, Who of you is left who saw this house, the temple, in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem like nothing? But be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. Be strong, all the, you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. I'm going to stop right there and talk about this for a minute. The people, less than a month, into working on the temple have come to a place that they are frustrated. They're struggling and, and God comes to them and God calls attention to their struggle. He says, who of you is left that remembers what this temple looked like in its former glory? And, and the people must have been thinking, God, you're being mean, like we're already struggling with this. And, and he says, does this not look like nothing to you? How does this look now? See, God knew where the, where the people's struggle was. The people were building the temple, and in less than a month, they had become discouraged because the temple was nothing like it used to be. See, if you want to get this, more of this story, you go back to Ezra chapter 3. That's where we see this story. And in Ezra chapter 3, we see that God calls the people to build the temple. This was the laying of the foundation I talked about earlier. And the people lay the foundation. And, and I want you to get this picture because this is so, this is so the church sometimes. <laughs> the people lay the foundation. And they start to praise God. God called us to lay the foundation. We've done it. Yes. And in Ezra chapter 3, it says that the older people and the older Levites and the people that knew the temple before weren't praising God. In fact, they were crying out, they were wailing loudly because they were distraught that this temple that God had called them to build was nothing like what they remembered in the past. Does that sound like the church to any of you? People got their focus in the wrong place. They were focused on what happened in the past. They were comparing the work that God called them to to what had happened before, and guess what? It made them cry out loud. They were discouraged. And while half the people are praising God, it said that you couldn't even distinguish what was what because half the people were wailing out to God saying, oh, it's not what it used to be. So God calls the people to build the temple. The people do what God calls them to do. They get caught comparing to the past and they get frustrated and defeated and they're crying out. There's an important lesson for us to learn here. And that's a lesson on focus. When God calls you to do something, 
Your focus should be on what God calls you to do. Your focus should be on Jesus Christ. Your focus should be on God, not on what's around you, not on what used to be. It's it's really easy to do this. Oftentimes in the church, we think about the glory days. I'm guilty of this. It's easy to think, oh, it used to be so good. Remember when people used to do, remember when we had full places, remember this day? Oh, it's just not what it used to be. And when God calls us to do the work of the kingdom, and we're focused on other things, what happens is we get discouraged. We, we can have the presence of God show up and great things can happen and you can look across the street and say, wow, there's a mega church. God's really doing great things there. What God's doing here is not so great. And that's a lie of the devil. Because if God calls us to do his work, it's good enough. It's what God wants. And so the people's focus was in the wrong place. Listen to me, church. I don't know what God's calling you to. I don't know if it's, if it's working within your family. And some of you would say, man, I remember back in the day when my family all wanted to be in church and they wanted to follow Christ. Maybe it's leading in the workplace and you think, oh, back in the day it used to be so good and it used to be easy to share my faith and I used to feel that fire and that passion. Or maybe you've been called to lead ministry, and it's easy to think, man, it used to be so great, or it's not like it is over there. Listen to me, we have to keep our focus on Christ. When our focus is off, our direction will be off. So we went, we went horseback riding as a family a few we, uh, maybe a month ago. Someone was really nice to let us come out and ride the horse. And I learned something new about riding horses. I haven't ridden a horse in like 30 years. The reason was, the last time I did, 30 years ago, I kept thinking my horse was going to fall over, and I was terrified. So I just never wanted to ride a horse again. But, but we went and rode horses a month ago, and I learned something new. I learned that when you're riding a horse, you're supposed to look where you want to go. If you look away from where you want to go, what happens is the horse goes where you look and you'll end up off course. I never knew that. I mean, who would think just like looking in the other direction would mess you up? But why is that? Because when you're sitting there and you start to focus over here, you start to turn your body and the horse feels that and thinks, I'm supposed to go that way. And so if you're not focused on where you should be focused, your direction, your path will be off track. We have to keep focused on Christ. If we don't, not only will our focus be off, but our direction will be off and we will be 